Welcome to the Space Cave, broadcasting from the furthest reaches of our known universe, tucked safely in a little cave away from it all. Just a little brief distraction. A big warg to all of you, and specifically, uh, the guy who came by the show in Boise. I am either forgetting your name, and or I don't know that you ever said it. Um, very casually, just <laughs> like walked by at the show and was like, Hey man, warg. And then I thought he said Mark. So when he came out later, I was like, are you Mark? He goes, no, I said warg. And then I was trying to give him uh, some stuff, but he, he was not interested. He said, I, I already have a bunch. I want to support you, which was very nice. But, uh, I think I did at least give him a sticker. I I've recently, if you haven't been listening, um, hand screen printed some, some, Space Cave stickers with the with the cave logo on them. So if you come out to a show, I'm happy to give you one of those. I think they turned out okay. It's tough to... I can get into a whole screen printing thing. But um, overall, they look all right. And uh, happy to get them out there, especially to people that listen to the show. So thanks again. Um, also, Heidi and Paul came. I believe they listened to the show. They not only uh, came to the show, but then bought me dinner. And Heidi and I got a chance to record an episode of her new podcast, which I believe is called Heidi Makes a Podcast, Podcast, Podcast. So if you happen to see that, uh, check it out. We chatted for quite a bit, and thanks again for that. Um, and also, man, the venue there in Boise was terrific. I got to try some beer from Crescent Brewing. We did a, a show there Thursday night, which was kind of an unannounced show in Nampa, Idaho, which I was I didn't know what to prepare for. When I got there, one of the other comedians was like, this room can be rough. And there, you know, people in overalls and camouflage and whatever you think of that as like a preconceived notion. I, I long ago in comedy kind of got rid of that. You know, if you go into it thinking like, oh boy, this is going to be a disaster. Um, that can usually happen. But it's really fun. I enjoyed it. Some people were a little uh, chatty and started to get a little boozed up by the end. But it was um, a great experience. And then... Friday and Saturday was at the Lounge at the End of the Universe, which is part of the Gem Center for the Arts in Boise, which for me, getting into comedy, that was always a goal, is to be associated with things like Centers for the Arts, and which is not typical in comedy. So for me, that always felt like an achievement of some sort. And then not only is, is the lounge that Jen has put together phenomenal, we did one show in the more intimate part of it, and then she can expand it and make it bigger, uh, it's very Douglas Adamsy, which if you're familiar with this show, you know I'm a fan. And um, so just really great to go to a space that sort of tries to embody that spirit of silliness and weird, imaginative, just kind of um, childlike in a lot of ways, sort of um, ethos, I guess. And I think she's doing great. I hope you go check it out, even if you're just swinging through Boise. They also have this thing there called uh, Atlantis Labs, which has a project called 2417, which is an immersive sort of, you can do it as an escape room, and you can also just go check it out. It's just kind of a fun art installation where you wind through all these rooms, and there are kind of little secret doors and portals and soundscapes, and it's fairly similar to uh, Meow Wolf in Santa Fe, if you've heard of that and or been there. Really, really cool, just way to let your mind kind of wander off, and then you end up in a place where for a moment, you can at least uh, have a suspension of disbelief. And I don't know. I love just that whole concept. I really enjoy that, as you may have noticed from this show. Anyway, uh, this week, the last leg of these shows I've been doing for the last month or so in uh, Minneapolis, my favorite place to be. It's where I met Emily Rose. I have so many great friends there. I love the club. If you haven't been to Acme Comedy Company, I highly recommend it. I'm really excited, looking forward to it. 
it's right after Labor Day weekend. This this episode's out a little later than normal because of the holiday. And uh, if you're someone that's like, oh, I, I, I would have rather listened to it on my day off, you got to message me. I'm just guessing at this point, but I assume that uh, you'd rather that people want to get back into the flow of their work week and then listen to the show. So if I'm wrong and you're like, no, I went for a hike and I would have I would have enjoyed some company, let me know. And in the future, I will try to get them out on the Mondays that are holidays. But this week in uh, Minneapolis, the week after the holiday, I will be doing shows every night, Tuesday through Saturday. And I'd love it if you were there. Uh, it's just such a great environment, really great club. Everyone's so nice. So go to Acme Comedy Co. Or is it Acme Com Co? I don't know. Just search Acme Comedy Company and Sticks Restaurant in Minneapolis. Or message me if you're if you're hard up for cash. If you're a space burger, I'll cut you some deals. I'll hook you up with some tickets. All right. Let's um, not linger along here too long. You got to... The bulk of the series, the chat to get into. This is a this was one that we recorded in San Francisco, oh, um, two weeks ago now, and this was this was great because I mention all the time. If you have ideas or suggestions for beer or topics or want to be a guest, get in touch with me. And then this gentleman did. Yoichi Shiga said, "Hey man, here's my list of, and you'll hear all about the different things he's done in his life that sync up." really interestingly with my, uh, or really coincidentally with things that I'm interested in. I thought we had a lot to talk about. We're very similar, cut from the same cloth, if you will. And uh, I thought he's just a fascinating dude. He now works at NASA Ames. And so I, anytime that comes into play, I have to mention the views shared are his own and in no way representative of his place of employment. Uh, th- though that's not really that. I mean, nothing comes up that's too... Uh, I don't know, controversial or anything like that. So he brought over some beer, even though he's not a big beer drinker, and uh, told me all about how he got where he is, how he's only had a smartphone for like less than a year, and a whole bunch more. I uh, hope you enjoy it. Here's part one with Yoichi. Yeah, it's always funny hearing my or hearing your own voice this sort of clear, very clear. <laughs> head you don't yeah hear very much people gen generally hate it listen yeah. I, I, and well, you mentioned almost, in your original email to me that you're kind of a luddite which is a term i really didn't know until i don't know five or so years ago because i was always talking about that sort of thing and people go oh, i'm kind of a luddite too and in my mind i just thought like it was like an association with like quakers or something I'm like oh i don't know that general and maybe it it originates from that but the <clears throat> The earliest I remember people being like, I hate my voice, is you used to have to like play a tape to do your outgoing answering machine message. Yeah. And you know, so people would go, Hi, we're the blah, blah, blahs, and we're not in. And then they oh, yeah. play it again and go, Oh, that's what we sound like. Yeah, it's the worst. It's, and now we're, we have, I mean, beyond just podcasting, we hear our voices more, more than ever. But this is a very specific one where like it's channeled <laughs> directly into your own ears. As you and I are sitting here in this, uh, what is, we're in like the catacombs of a very <laughs> nice hotel in San Francisco, and they've been nice enough to, because it's not on a, on a business day, we have one of the meeting rooms, so this feels like where some companies would come and do some business. Yeah, hash some stuff out. Yeah, there. get that Callahan account finally handled. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just, I feel like it's, the sound is pretty good down here. You've got these like tiles on the ceiling that yeah. seem to absorb it pretty well, so... The sound is great. You brought some beer from Fort Point. Is that right? Yeah. And I'm not a huge beer drinker. Yeah, you but mentioned that. when I do drink beer, <laughs> these I, I appreciate. I enjoy. And I don't know if that means that they're just, you know, shooting for the common, lowest common denominator type thing. Yeah. So anyone will like them. But, and they also have a nice graphic on their cans and on their... On their uh, their other beers, it's like this sort of minimalist. Um, you know, I think they're this one. I have no idea what the design's supposed to be. It seems like it could be San Francisco esque, but the other ones, are yeah, similar in there. It looks like something that you could doodle with just little like squares and triangles exactly. and some circles, and then slowly taking shape of like, oh, those are like pillars, and there's a roof, and then there. 
oh, is that a bridge? Oh, that. <laughs> and then someone maybe putting it into Illustrator, it suddenly looks sharp. It's, mm-hmm. like, it's got like a, a cool, sharp, seems very precise in the way they did it. KSA, light and crisp Kolsch style ale. So I'm assuming it's called KSA because, I mean, obviously that's an um, acronym. Yeah, Kolsch style ale. Mm-hmm. But yeah. is that is that the is that their name for it, or is that? Oh, I'm having an IPA. I'm having a KSA. I have no idea. Yeah, maybe they're trying to like brand that. <laughs> KSA is the new thing to take off. Um, here we go. That was cool. <laughs> Those are two pretty great ones. Because um, <clears throat> you you reached out and and mentioned the beer, and then your second email when we were kind of like finalizing plans or firming them up, you were like, "Oh, I actually don't drink beer very much." But when I did, so why this one in particular? Because this is like I I don't drink beer very much, and it's because I'm usually like, eh, you know, <laughs> I can take it or leave it. I also have a very very low tolerance oh i see okay but you brought four so we don't want to get too nuts <laughs> exactly <laughs> but it is a low it's like a 4.6 yes yeah, so i'll probably so. like sip through barely one uh-huh. and then i brought the others just to make it seem like <laughs> it wasn't uh you know like i, I can only drink one beer so <laughs> okay yeah i'm certainly not gonna cut take up the slack and okay hammer down the other <laughs> okay the other remaining ones but i'll join you in this one and and maybe a second we'll see how long yeah who knows we get to cheer the Gals like us, we get to gabbin. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. Um. So I was I reread your because I was like I think I have this right just off memory, but I went back and looked over the email. First of all, I had guests, and you you said you're like move working your way through the space caves. So you're not current. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm. I, I took a. And I don't know if this is a scientific approach because I was like, oh man, I'm so because I just discovered it. And this kind of gets into the Luddite thing because I didn't. Ha- I, I just got a cell uh, smartphone right in 2019. This is in January was mm-hmm. the, the first I got one, and that made listening to podcasts way easier. And so I had started listening to Professor Blastoff like in my PhD days a few years ago, but it was hard to kind of get through. And then at one point, it wasn't free anymore, mm-hmm. and I you needed like some premium membership. Yeah, and unfortunately, I was like. Too cheap. I don't. <laughs> and so, um, yeah. So finally, I got the smartphone. I ponied up for the premium membership. Mm-hmm. Went through the rest of Professor Blastoff and was like, ah, Space Cave. And so ah. now, and I think that was about when I started listening. And then saw online you were coming here, and so I sent you the email. But I think I was, I was like, well, I can't just start listening from the beginning because I'm gonna be so far behind. So I started listening like from the beginning and then I'd kind of switch off. I'd do two in the beginning and then uh-huh. I started around like episode 90 <laughs> and then started listening to, you know, two there. So ah, I see. So I've worked my way through a spattering of this kind of marching. Along yeah. I think process. I, yeah, I like it. Be the, the longer the, the catalog of it gets, the more there are options, which I think people in podcasts these days are more likely to just scroll through and see a title and like, Oh, let's try that one. Some no, people I mean, are hardcore. Like, like we're binging through. all the way through. I like to go through. I don't want to miss anything. Yeah, you stay at Warg. So one it thing. Took me a while. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I was like, I need to find out what this means. <laughs> so people, yeah, people reach out and go, "What does that mean?" And I can't ever decide to just tell them or be like, "Oh, you got to find it." Like an <laughs> Easter egg in there because, and but it was very early on. I think it's within like the first five or so. Yeah, I want to say. Yeah, yeah, early on, which was good for my. Yeah, I that got. would have been <laughs> very. <laughs> like, oh, I gotta get to the. Tr- I gotta track this down, uh, but. <clears throat> You, uh, because you're not fully up to speed on a recent episode, I was guessing your name, and I told you this the other night at the show, and then you were like, no, it's Yoichi, and I had said kind of like that. I think I tried like three versions, but I I wasn't quite hitting the space between Yo and E, so Yoichi, and then um, your last name, Shiga? Shiga, yeah. Yoichi, Shiga, cool name. Um, that middle name is Paolo, so it always gets people sort of thrown off. They're like, oh, 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 okay, I can kind of see it now. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, because I think the, well, yeah, first and last name obviously very Japanese, or they are Japanese, but then Paolo, they're like, huh? And then they look at me and they go, oh, okay, I guess you're some mix of something. What And what is the, the back with your parents? or? Yeah, so my mom is... 
sort of Italian Croatian, and so that's where the Paolo comes from. My dad's Japanese. That's okay, Yoichi. And are they like this? Is I you know it's interesting now <clears throat> as America d- starts to define itself by a lot of people feel like we've been here forever. Oh, yeah. It's not that old of a country. Yeah. So then it's you know so many people are like oh I'm this generation I'm second I'm third. And then a lot of people, I think because they don't know, they might find out they're only third or fourth and go, oh, geez, that's not that long. <laughs> I thought we were 10th or so. But, you know, so are your, were your parents, like, did they immigrate Yeah, here? so it's complicated. So I grew up with my mom. So my parents split up when I was pretty young. So my dad's Japanese. He actually still lives in Japan. So he's oh, like okay. zero generation <laughs> on that side. <laughs> like he never came over. But um, he lived here for a while, then moved back. But um, on my mom's side, I think it's, her great grandparents were the first to come, mm-hmm. so I don't know what generation that makes her. Um, but it's actually kind of cool because she has—is it her great grandparents? Yeah, she has like some recordings that her grandparents took of at least my great grandfather, like how he came to the United States, mm-hmm. and it's just you know fascinating. It's like <laughs> so cool. He's like, oh well, you know, I got on a ship in. I was a sailor and I lived a large life and, oh, that's and great. Like, like sailed around South America and like, cool. and it was just like, and I was like, did, what language did you speak? You know, it's kind <laughs> of like, and he, I learned Greek and like, yeah, so it's, uh, but yeah, it is fascinating how recent, uh, I feel like a lot of folks have, you know, been in here, but then it seems so long to them, obviously yeah. it seems forever. I was uh, in doing some shows in South Dakota recently and it, I brought. I just talked about this memory for whatever reason that like was more impactful to me than I at the time, not necessarily realized. But it was <clears throat> one of my mom's cousins uh, took me to this cemetery outside of a very small town, and we're standing there, and I got like, what a weird place to go to. There's only like fifty plots, and they're all really old, and they said these names. Where he and I are looking at that, and I kind of went, oh, this is great. Like you can come here and see you know, the the origin of your family tree. And he goes, no, those are our great-grandparents. <laughs> and it said, and like, oh, oh yeah, because we, we are we are blood-related through that branch of the tree. And then so instantly when he said that, I could picture, and they were Irish immigrants, and so picturing them, like, settling, finding a place in this weird spot in the middle of South Dakota. And then so that was the first time I had any kind of like oh that's where at least one part of my family came from but I, I don't think I was aware of it prior to that and I and I I don't know like how interested I am in that I mean do you kind of look sometimes I just feel like we're humanity we're just this mold <laughs> covering this loaf of bread but you're a particular branch of the mold strain the bacterial strain you're like oh okay was, we were on we were from the heel side and we moved over <laughs> toward the top well it's funny because I think well I don't know what most people think but it's easy to forget because you're kind of like, we're here, we're doing stuff. I got stuff to do. Yeah. But at the other, you know, there, there are people. And so my older sister got really into this. And I think I talked to someone else who was like, oh, yeah, I'm checking out my genealogy. And they get really into it. And so my sister went on this, I don't know what they're called, sort of like this pilgrimage to find. And it was, it's only, it's like an absurdly awesome story because it's, you know, she, yeah, so my great-grandmother on my mom's side, her sister didn't come to the U.S., so she stayed in Croatia, mm-hmm. but she sent, like, a picture of herself in the in front of her house, you know, from where she was, and it had a, a dress, and that was, like, one of the few things we had, and so my sister took that picture and, like, went to like Croatia to try and find like where this was yeah and like the story ends up like being where she they find the house luckily she had a friend who was Croatian you know all this stuff fell into place and they're like oh yeah that family still owns this house and it was there's this family that's related to us and they were super nice they were like and and the thing is like I'm half Asian so my sister's half Asian there and they met up with the people who are still who are related to us and they were like Oh, welcome. You're our family. And That's they like great. gave her a key to the house and what? said like, you can come back anytime. And I was just like, it's such a heartwarming. Cause then, uh, you know, cause part of it is, yeah, we're just these strains of, you know, DNA. But the other time or the other part of that, it's like kind of great that the, that fam familial connection kind of, mm-hmm. know, it was definitely like warmed my heart and everybody was like, Oh my gosh. So. <laughs> Did your sister have that? I feel like maybe this has been done in films where the shot is on, 
you think it, the house and then you pull back and find out that what you're really looking at is a photograph in someone's hand. <laughs> and as you pull out further, the photograph matches the distance. And you're like, there it is. That is that. Did she do something like that? <laughs> she didn't. She should have. Because it's great because there's a, I mean, the key point is there's a bell tower in mm-hmm. the background. And I think that's what, because then they can oh, just kind of yeah. like go down the street and they're like, there's that bell tower. And then, yeah. How great. Yeah. Uh, Sometimes I feel like if you grew up in a village like that and life has a slow pace where people maybe still come to your house and knock on the door, it's not like a busy screen life and there you go to the cafe and you see the same people, the memories that you hold on to in life are much easier. So you would remember someone, even if you saw them 40 years later and be like, I knew you when you were seven. It's good to have you back here. Yeah. Because your brain isn't cluttered with 10,000 faces and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I, I wish there were more things like that in the world. And yet, if I think of myself living in one of those lives, I would get a li- I'd feel like a little caged maybe or something like, oh, it's a big world. You got to get out there. And yet, you almost get too many memories. You get too many experiences where what are you holding on to? Yeah. I like that, that they would be so excited. Hey, strangers showed up. Get in here. <laughs> Here's a key to our house. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's true that, that and I mean, maybe that's this, like older folk, like yeah, my like my grandmother. I remember she'd say, the first time she went to a restaurant for dinner, like she remembers <laughs> it, like it was when she was like eighteen or something <laughs> like that. You know, it's like she grew up in Sacramento, so it's like yeah. I came out to San Francisco. It was the first time I went to a restaurant. I was like, first time <laughs> you're eighteen and you drove all the way to San Francisco. Yeah, but yeah, you do. I guess yeah, it's just a different. Yeah, it's 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 a very different world, and I think nowadays, especially, I have cousins who are like teenagers, and mm-hmm. they're trying to pump them full of so many activities to get them ready for. Yeah, I don't know what, but was that so? Kind of um, item by item, going through your email. These all these things all weirdly tie in. So you you mentioned like that you went to an art magnet school and did um, computer, computer animation, animation. Yeah. and then you ended up getting a degree you got a phd i think in like environmental engineering yeah. after but working my, that yeah i did my bachelor's in um aerospace engineering aerospace okay yeah so you have this varied background that's very animation and then things that i'm very interested in and like kind of dabble in just from a a non-educated perspective <laughs> but like i enjoy them and then a, a similarity i think we have where you were like which I think ties into what we were just talking about is a desire to slow it down. Oh yeah. Like go out in the woods. Oh yeah. And is that where the impulse comes from? The feeling of what matters? It's too busy. There's too many things happening. I want to just go notice the wind shift directions and go, huh, and be aware of those sort of things as opposed to scrolling through things all day and going out and seeing a hundred different people that you kind of know. It's overwhelming. It's just like, let's just slow it down. Yeah, totally. And I think the uh, the sort of, it kind of ties into the Luddite thing. Because I think when I first sort of had, and it's not, I'm like a very softball, you know, <laughs> it's not like I, I don't like disregard any, you know, technologies that kind of make things easier. But I remember the the first time where the impulse took over was when, um, I guess a couple things, but I guess the one that makes sense more here is when, uh digital cameras were really big and yeah. everybody kept getting a new digital cameras and a new digital camera and it was like more megapixels and yeah could store more, ca- more more pictures and i went on a trip and i just brought one disposable camera <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and my cousin at the time was like just making fun of me because he's had his digital camera and i was like i got 35 <laughs> pictures <laughs> we're gone for i don't know how long and i was like this is all i got we like, are so similar. <laughs> I've done the, exactly that. Where people are like, what are you doing? But I really thought like, okay, this is worth one. Yeah. This is worth a photo. Yeah. And then I'd always just kind of, you know, I'd point to up uh, like my temple when people would be like, well, what about you? I like, oh, just got to remember it. Yeah. You know? I mean, I like when you go in, we were in a, one of the old San Francisco hotels here. Some friends were staying at recently and they have those, those old photos that look like one of three that the person got taken of them in their whole life. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I kind of like that lived. But then it quickly went into a generation of like a shoebox full of that person's Polaroids or whatever it was. And everyone would go, anyone want these? And like, <laughs> no. Nah. And so, so many photos get thrown away. I don't expect people to keep theirs. And then, but I do as I get older when I 
see photos, I go, I wish I'd taken more photos. Because <laughs> I was so convinced when I was younger. It's all up here. I remember it all. It's not. Oh, yeah, totally. And then it's gone. It's I think totally I said that in my email. It's like, I learned a lot of things, and then I forgot a lot of things. Yeah. Because that's totally what happened, is that after a certain point, and I don't know if it was when I was younger, I could just recall like all the little things. After a certain point, it's just big gaps. Yeah. <laughs> I honestly feel like I could remember almost all of my life cumulatively until about age 10 or 11. And that's when I was starting to notice, like, I don't remember every detail of yesterday or two days ago, if I really thought about it. And I was at Knott's Berry Farm, very busy, very active. And I still remember, I can put myself in this in the place, but I can't, I can't tell you, like, all the colors or, you know, certain specifics, but I do remember just standing there, looking at a fence, looking at some of the vendors, the churro guy, people walking by with balloons, a roller coaster in the distance, and trying to really soak it in and be like, maybe I can force my mind to make this a memory that I will remember for the rest of my life. And it's kind of like the Back to the Future, you know, it's slowly, slowly (laughs) fading for me where like, I get a few of the high points, but there was a period where I could be like, I remember exactly the movements and everything that everyone was doing. And that was the first time I was ever fascinated with that idea of, and I, maybe that's where that comes from, where people want to take photos or want to like, I want to take my life with me. I want to live yeah. it, but I also want to look at it later and relive it. Yeah. So I don't, maybe yeah, I got to change, I, right? I, I, well, so my, my wife always makes fun of me because I still do, but less so like to like collect little things from my trips. Yeah. Like it'd be like a ticket stub. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. Or like a (laughs) a little like, you know, like we went into some museum and just like the little stub from going in. She's like, what what is this stuff? (laughs) I was like, you know, I want to keep it. She's like, bro, who's going to go through these? Oh, I'll tell you, you're going to be the (laughs) saddest grandpa because someone's going to find this box and open it and go, oh, (laughs) <laughs> Grandpa kept that ticket when we went to the train museum. <laughs> I didn't think it mattered to him. He didn't want to take any photos. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so. that, there's a similarity there in that, like, the, the the moments matter, but not necessarily, like, capturing him in the way that you're like, well, we're faking it. We're all pretending, you know, we're smiling. Exactly. Maybe in this photo, someone is in a bad mood and or we were it took the the act of doing the photo took away from we were actually enjoying everything and someone went hey turn around everyone and you were like damn it yeah you know you get that feeling about like let's just enjoy this let's be here totally. right in this yeah i think the experiencing versus capturing the experience i've i've always had and sometimes less so i care about it but there have definitely been times where i'm like why don't we just experience it yeah versus like let's capture it but yeah, then then you forget it. You do, and I do like when people either remember it or um, or have photos that I can go, oh yeah. So at, at the junk show a couple weeks last week, um, that's irrelevant depending on when this comes <laughs> out. But at a recent junk show, uh, some friends of mine from Austin um, had a friend named Lisa on the show, and she was going to rather than do her full like ten minute set, she was like, I'm just going to do like five minutes and show a video that you shot. And I go, what? <laughs> And she goes, yeah, it took me forever. I had it on an old DVD and I had to get it like transferred so we could actually get the file from it, et cetera. But she showed it and I thought, I'll instantly know what it is. (laughs) And I was watching like the first minute and a half. I was like, I don't remember any of this. (laughs) And then there was one shot finally where it put me back in that place where I was like, oh yeah, I remember I had to like step over you guys and do all this. And that was kind of an upsetting feeling for a little bit to go like, (laughs) this was my life. I was in those footsteps and i don't remember doing that and it, the sinking feeling of it is just knowing there's going to be a lot more of that <laughs> it's just all getting older is it's like i did what now yeah and well, the, i've seen like um family like old family videos of that when mm-hmm. i'm younger so nothing when i'm an adult yeah and i think that's always like where are we yeah well because also like i was born in japan so there's some things that i just don't even remember and i was like what country, I don't even know what country we are. Is, are we in the United States oh, yet? You know? yeah. So I'm just like, I don't know. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was, um, it, the feeling of it is that like going back to that little village, say like in Croatia or something where you would come back 30 years later and they'd go, you did this and then you did it, remember? And then you got really excited and you're like, I don't remember any of that. <laughs> and like the, having the idea that humans is sort of like archival people just because of their memory all that storage space in there is wide open so they they can process the whole memory and keep it in there whereas all of us what do we do we're just shedding 
data where you're like, oh, it's we're kind of operating at like 99% capacity. So something's always getting chucked out. Everything's temporary. Sports scores and things like that stay in there. I'm like, why in the hell is that still in there? Why do I remember that? But I wonder, and I don't know if you, you if, if I heard this from you, but I wonder if we were better at remem- remembering things when there was less going on. Absolutely. And so then you could, because maybe it mattered more, right? You got to be, hey, yeah. out, that guy comes into town, he's bad news. You yeah. Know? Or, or, or that thing, or oh, when the weather goes this way, let's focus, you know? And whereas now, it doesn't matter, right? You can check the weather on your phone. Like, yeah. we, there's nothing that we need to pay too much attention to. And I just saw this crazy documentary about memory, like athletes mm-hmm. who can like remember all sorts of things. And one of the interesting points that they were making that was sort of separate, kind of a bigger point about society and like history and, you know, sort of how humanity works is like, if we remember more, like a lot of things repeat themselves. So if we remember more, mm-hmm. we probably are going to do a better job moving forward. And I always, I thought like, oh yeah, that's true. Are we missing something by not, you know, cause I think a lot of things, even myself, like even in school, I was like, I don't need to remember this stuff. I hated yeah. learning things where I just had to remember it. I was like, this is useless. Um, and maybe that's not super important, but but like I, you know, but bigger ideas, like the history of things, of how things worked and I don't know, like sort of like lessons. Yeah. That seems like we ought to be remembering those things because if they happen again, we're like, oh, come on, guys, this already <laughs> happened before. Yeah, be, uh, of course. Recognizing, like, you know, people, oh, no, this is <laughs> happening. And someone would go, yeah, the last time that bird <laughs> flew by, this exact thing happened. Why does no one remember the bird? Oh, well, I don't know. We had <laughs> 10 million other things yeah. yet to recall. Yeah. But did you see all these photos of that baby? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But uh, I did have a friend. So I did have, I was going to say, I did have a friend. This was like an, an yeah, in call an undergrad. Um, and he had, maybe there was a, a, a exchange or there was someone who was visiting from another university. And he said that every single day he would write down at the end of the day, everything that happened that day to like keep like yeah. a, like a diary but it was like very like every single thing so then he could go back just like for this trip to go back and i remember thinking at the time i was never like a person who ever wrote things down or kept even though i kept these little ticket subs i was like ah it's up here you know i got yeah. it all and so i never wrote anything down and that kind of like led to some downfall later in, in <laughs> my <laughs> academic life but still i thought like why would you do that i could just remember it but now i was like oh wow i bet you, like even now he still has that record or yeah that'd be really fun to go back and look at especially if you know you're a group of people trying to like recollect a weekend you all spent or something like then what do we do and someone (laughs) let me go to the minutes (laughs) and just look it over yeah i remember one time uh doing mushrooms and i was my brain was just as if i were right back in i don't know third grade seventh grade (laughs) something like that like telling people we were out in the the wilderness i was picking things up and talking about like the mineral compositions and things that like i i'm sure right now i couldn't describe and yet at the time my brain was just like i'm right back from when i first learned this and i'm going on and on about it and people are just kind of nodding like yeah i do remember learning that and it was a weird thought to as that disappeared one knowing that like it could be channeled or tapped back into and two, sad that like we just don't we we don't have the capacity to do it. Would it drive us crazy? Would it use too much of our brain power to do it? Or you know, our brains are pretty clever at being like, well, you've never needed to talk about minerals, <laughs> <laughs> so we've stored that away. You've got to have like an access code to get in. It turns out these the psilocybin was the the way to get in there. <laughs> but I did really enjoy that feeling of like, way to go, brain. Okay, this wasn't all for nothing. But, I do have this. Yeah, but maybe it is. I mean, I don't know enough about brain stuff at all. Same. But but maybe it is all there because I think the what it feels like is that your brain is trying to just spend as little energy as possible, <laughs> right? Just you're trying to get you through the day with l- as little effort, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm assuming so. That's how you, you know, and so it's it's all the things that are habits. It's just, okay, we'll go back through this routine. We, we'll do that. You don't have to think. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know. It seems like if I were the brain, that's what I would do. I would be <laughs> like, okay, let's just set some patterns and you just go to work and you go here and you, you yeah. know, and like, let's just stick to those and, I always think I always think about it in having conversations with my brain. And I think I've talked about this on the show before that like if you were presented with 
a differential equation that you had to solve to save a group of people's lives. And a bird was placed in a room and had to like poke a stick through a hole and knock a little pebble off of counterweight that would then release a food pellet for them. We would look at the problem and go, damn it, brain, you <laughs> idiot. And the bird would just, I don't know that it has the consciousness or awareness to, to beat itself up. It would just kind of like, all right, I want that food. What do I have to do? And we just knowing our limitations, like I probably learned this at some point, but I'm, there's no way I'm getting to <laughs> this. And I, I think about it sometimes in the sense of when you're leaving your house and you know you've forgotten something. Oh, yeah. And I'll, I'll stop and be like, all right, I'm getting that tingly feeling. I'm aware of it. Come on, buddy. Let me know. And then the brain just kind of goes, eh. And then you're like, I'm running late. I got to go. I'll just hope it's nothing major. And then, of course, 10 minutes later, you're like, oh, why didn't you tell me? You were just like tickling my neck with a feather. Why not go ahead and whisper it in there, brain? Tell me what the thing is. Totally. Yeah. And, oh, that's frustrating. It happens all the time. I think I'm, I'm like known in my family as like every like every time I go visit my folks and then come back, I always forget something. And it's just a matter of what it is. And hopefully yeah. it's not my keys, you know? Yeah. So this recent time, I was like, where are those shoes? <laughs> and it was just a pair of shoes that I just left there. That's I haven't seen them in a long time. And um, yeah, my mom just like text. I was like, are my shoes there? They? She's like, yes, they are. She's <laughs> like, what is wrong with your brain? But the, I mean, getting on on the track of your brain, okay. because you mentioned all the things you've forgotten, like kind of glazing over that you've learned a lot of stuff. Computer animation in its own right it would be enough for okay you learn a lot of stuff you can just apply that have a career do that for the rest of your life um richard williams died today as we record this little tip of the cap did the the the, uh, cobbler and the thief which aladdin was just blatantly Uh, ripped off from he was i don't know oh man he did um who framed roger rabbit oh okay i know that so he used to take and he started an animation house and there's a great documentary called persistence of vision It's all about him where he was such a stickler for getting everything absolutely perfect that he just toiled away making this film for 30 years that never got released. And so many of the animators that cycled through his studio would leave and tell stories and sometimes, you know, I'm sure have like books and things. And someone saw that and like, why don't we just, he's never going to finish that. So a lot of the character design is very similar. The story, very similar. They just made Aladdin like the sleek, efficient version of it. And they made it. They did complete it. But he used to do a bunch of like commercial work. And then he would funnel that money straight back into making this project. And he would try, Mm -hmm. and then he did Roger Rabbit with the the deal goal in mind that, all right, I'll do this for you guys. But then we're going to make this movie finally. And he got kind of cheated over by the studio. But a lot of it was just him. They're like, this is good enough. And him being like, we're going to tear down everything and redo it. He was kind of a psychopath, but in the best sort of artsy way. Anyway, Persistence of Vision is fantastic. No, I think I'm glad I didn't stick with that because I had too many of those type of traits when I was doing my... Because first in my in my program, so it's like a, yeah, so it's like the, the there's a special arts high school that I went to, or it was a special program in a high school. Mm-hmm. And I think the main reason why I went was because my older sister was a really good visual artist. And so okay. she went to that high school. Mm-hmm. And then my mom didn't want to be sending us to different high schools. So she's <laughs> like, all right, what are you good at? You got to go to this high school <laughs> You're too. like, I don't draw. And I was like, I'm not that good of a drawer. <laughs> and so they're like, okay, we're going to do, and I think like digital arts at the time was not popular at all. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, you're going to go into that. And so, it, yeah, it ends up being cu- computer animation. But the first year is all just drawing and like learning how to do Photoshop, I think what was. And so I had to draw a lot and I would get really frustrated because I'd be like, my sister can just put like for five seconds or, you know, two minutes, draw something. It looks just like it. And yeah. then I'll sit there and I'm just spending hours and it doesn't look anything like it. And I'm <laughs> like, what? And it's so weird because I'm like, I see it. Why can't I just draw it? Yeah. Like it sound, and, and, and the thing is th- that I found that you can get better at drawing if you practice all the time. Yeah. But if you don't have the talent, it just takes so much longer. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and, and so, yeah, so it took a while. But then, yeah, I, I did get into And I think computer animation was better for me because I'm not, I'm not doing it like by hand. Back then, we didn't have like these fancy pads where you could draw on. It was yeah. all click and, and sort of you know do the modeling you know on the computer but then you could be a little bit more precise because you could like type in the coordinates and get Ah. things very sort of set up exact and you put like a skeleton inside your 
thing. And I don't know. And so I think that point I was like, okay, this is, I think the second. And so this was, yeah, the, the way the program worked is it was two, I don't know what they were called back in high school, uh, two classes a day mm-hmm. was in this magnet program. So I'd have, you know, two of these classes. So I did it for two hours, was it two hours? Maybe, yeah, two hours or two periods. That's what they were called. Yeah. So two periods a day for all school year. So that was like a lot of time. Yeah. Put so, I mean, I feel like the best, I mean, obviously not the best things, but some of the best tools I learned from high school is just, you know, being able to use Photoshop pretty proficiently. The, cause we also ended up using the like final cut probe to actually put all the animations yeah. together. I don't know if I could do the actual, um, 3d like modeling, like building the characters, that stuff was like, if you don't do it every day, kind of like drawing, if I don't do it every day, there's no way I'm going to get back into it. Um, and yeah, I, but it was tough. And, and then like you learn all these other things that I feel like when you're shooting something outside of a 3d, you know, outside of a computer, like in the real world, you know, you, you have to figure out where you're going to put the camera and yeah. the lights and all that. Stuff. But in the, in the side of the computer, you have to put all that stuff, you know, you can't just be like, well, I just want to be outside. You're like, well, what is that? And so you had to set all these settings and that part, all of my, all of the pieces I ended up making were like, all white like the it was like the matrix you know, all white everywhere yeah. and then just like whatever characters i had that was it and i was trying to find i had one like actual um i think it might have won an award one actual like like sort of senior or i don't know if it was my senior but like final animation little thing i made and i think it was only maybe two minutes long a minute and a half, you know it was so <laughs> short but i remember i spent years like i think two years like the final two years of high school building it um and I, and I, it might be, and there might be like a DVD somewhere in my. Oh yeah. You got to find it. Yeah. I'd love to post it, share it. So people <laughs> listening to this I don't see know. It. See, I don't, because back in my head, you know, I wonder what it's like. Yeah. I think, you know, in my recollection versus what it looks like nowadays. Cause this was also, when was I in high school? Yeah. A while ago. Mm-hmm. 2003, four, something like that. Okay. So, um, so I'm not sure how the graphics and all that stuff held, held up. I think I have similar things like you were talking about of like if I focus or harp on things too much. And so I tried to make animation be the opposite of that. Like uh, knowing that I could get caught in a loop where I never get anything done, but it, but I, I live with this constant idea of what if. Oh, what if it what's, what's 30 <laughs> years from now it's perfect. I'd rather – there have been some animations I just stayed up all night and drew in, you know, 12 total hours of just like frame after frame after frame. And then I would like to shoot it into a camera, capture it, put it into some sort of editing software, choose a frame rate, and then be done with it. And the feeling of that was very, like, I liked that. Oh, that's just so much better. So much better. Yeah. It's it's tough to watch the final product if you are if you constantly watch it going, yeah, this could be so much better, or that's so imperfect. But I kind of liked it just being like, that is what it's done. And mm-hmm. that, to me, is the best part of it is just being done. So I never would expect it to get, like, get any attention. But do oh, you still so have that drive where like, it's, it's, it's a nagging feeling in your brain, like, I have to see this. I have to make it. So I think, actually, my PhD, in a funny way, really helped get rid of that um, sort of, like, uber focus on, like, all of the problems. Mm-hmm. Because... You have to finish your PhD. I, I took me, <laughs> it took me a while to get done. Yeah, and um, and before I was just always, even though I act like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm a relaxed guy. It doesn't matter when it's something I'm working on. I had to be like, oh, I needed to get every little thing. And actually, I even remember in high school that project I had a because uh, you had to like team up, or I think I just needed to team up with someone to do some of the sound editing. Yeah, that wasn't as good at that and so there's another kid in the class and he was just like nah just, just cut it cut it here you know like <laughs> and so he would take because i had all these clips of like different scenes and he was just like boom 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 okay we're putting these together no more because back then if you had to like render i don't know if you remember oh yeah you had, you had to re- it would take like a day yeah. to render yeah. like 30 seconds of things and so <laughs> yeah. i was like i gotta re-render it the lighting <laughs> looks weird there. Like, nah, no it's done you know so I, and, but yeah so literally because i think in undergrad i don't know uh, yeah so in, in my phd i had to finally be like and now i think i'm better at because i was working on i've been like working on stuff around the house trying to fix stuff and i'm always like oh god i can see that little mark there whatever it's done move on yeah it's it's, it's, it's not worth it I, we, I feel like we're very similar in that way to you is you know 
I've, I think I talked about this on almost every podcast I've ever done ever. <laughs> <laughs> but like a, a real propensity to want to have things aligned, evenly spaced, oh my parallel gosh. things. I'll put things down. And line them up. See, that's why. I, so that's why I said in the email, like, I felt like we were, I related a lot. <laughs> You'd mentioned things in a lot of the podcasts. I was like, mm, I do, I do the same thing. Uh-huh. I'll like line something up. I do even a weirder thing that I've I've tried to stop doing, and I think I'm I don't do it very often, but my wife will notice sometimes where I'll I'll wink one eye because <laughs> then you can you can li- like align. Oh things, yeah, yeah, you know, yep. and then I'll align things. She's like. What are you lining up? <laughs> what you you look like a crazy person? <laughs> You're winking one eye just randomly. So, I've, yeah, I think I've stopped for the most part. My partner notices me doing things like <laughs> that, is, and I'll we'll just be standing in line somewhere, and I'll just kind of, <laughs> what are you doing? I'm like, you know, the outline of that building weirdly matches up with that window. <laughs> like if you look at it, sometimes it's worthwhile. Go, really? Oh yeah. Like, but yeah. otherwise, it's just a weird. What are you? Stop it! You look. You make. You look. I'm weird. <laughs> But there, it, I, I think there's something about, you know, we don't really know what our sort of biological mammalian existence really is. We, um, on the most clinical side of it, we're just like, oh, we have this like primitive brain. We've got this brain and this type of brain. But we also do, not everyone, certain times, You, if you're drawn to that, the idea of like regularity or patterns or synchronicity things that you're always kind of looking for like how do these things fit together i think where animation fits into that Mm because you're something that didn't exist now all completely together it's probably why people like watching dominoes topple over and things Mm -hmm. just like yeah that makes sense but someone said uh, and i can't remember where what i was reading this how i was reading this but that i think this was getting down why humans are bad at understanding like statistical sort of uh, ideas but we're good at sort of causation type things because we're used to like like you know hunting like on the yeah you, know, like you see something fly into a bush you know it ended up <laughs> in that bush you know and so we're like we're kind of used to these type of patterns and maybe because we're not doing it, i mean i think it's weird that and maybe not all folks but i feel like there's a, a high propensity of folks who are sort of scientific but also artistic and they have that blending. And I think there's a lot of different things that cross into those. And I don't know. I mean, yeah, I have no idea where that originally, because it seems like we had been trained for a while to just be out hunting and surviving and, and figuring stuff out. Yeah. And so I wonder if there's some part of figuring stuff out, coming up with something entertaining, coming up with something that's satisfying to look at, and that all kind of, you know, it is it like jumbled together in our sort of toolbox of things that like help us survive. Yeah. I don't know. I don't either. I, d- I, I wish I did like know the origin steps and how we're currently mutating or evolving or whatever you'd call it. Like our desire or inherent need to be entertained or, or have some sort of something like I was talking to you before we started about a guy that was sitting on a park bench with his knees at like a 90 degree angle like Forrest Gump arms just gently in his lap not moving just staring straight ahead for like 20 minutes so odd yeah. not and I don't that shouldn't be odd you're like oh yeah there's a person just living and existing and being but there's something about it like don't you need some music don't you need <laughs> something to take your attention shouldn't you be looking at a screen in your hand shouldn't you be so we're evolving in, in all these different ways where how far away are we going to get from that? Like they say that you have two inherent fears. Every other fear is a learned fear. So mm-hmm. people being scared of clowns or something is like, hey, you probably pick that up from someone. Mm-hmm. But the fear of heights comes from like when chimps would think they're going to fall out of a tree or something uh, like that. And then loud noises. Like, of course, you think you're being attacked by a predator. So we, uh, mm-hmm. we kind of have that. But otherwise... Like social. It's all social stuff. We're learning all these cues and things from each other where, and we're different. I remember working with a guy and he would like have issues with his wife because she made a, when she made sandwiches, she would put the bread on and he and I were talking like, oh, you know the bread, like sometimes one side of the loaf's a little higher and you got to like match up the slices. <laughs> and he goes, oh, my wife not only doesn't do that, the rectangles can be different. Like it'll literally <laughs> be like a cross, like a plus sign. And he's just like, how? <laughs> and I've always been so envious of her mind that she, that it didn't bother her. Because mm. I have that thing if like I'm cutting a piece of wood and then I go to put it into place and it kind of just 
just fits perfectly where you don't even need a nail or oh, anything. Yeah. You go, oh, there you go, brain. You're welcome. Yeah. That's <laughs> as good of a feeling as it gets. Yeah. Yeah. I got a lot of sandpaper at home. <laughs> <laughs> the same thing. I was like, trying to get this thing in, in my window. And I was like, just sand it down a little more. Yeah. I know when you go like the worst is you if you cut something and it's too, too it's short. like a little too short and you go you know by the time I nail or screw this no one's gonna know but you're like it'll haunt me I can't have this eighth inch gap and then if you go a little too much it's just too big and you'd have to pound it in there now you're like I'm either gonna have to sand this for four hours but uh, if I cut it at the saw I might go too far well, these these are tough things for people that don't, <laughs> that have this sort of type of brain. Um, we haven't even gotten into <laughs> <laughs> like aerospace engineering and then your PhD program and your work now and what you do. So if you're up for taking a little break, this beer is delicious. If you're, if you're not into KSAs, folks, hopefully they are KSAs and not They're just like a thing. And it's not like they just branded it. I think, I mean, I I, again, I can't tell if they just named their beer. This is called KSA. Or if they're trying to start like, oh, you like IPAs? You should get a KSA. See, when I first had it, I thought like it had something to do with. Like is like the was like the Russians like spy agency didn't it have like a oh that's KGB not KGB. close not <laughs> no. just a K and so but I was like oh what does it mean and then I found out afterwards but yeah maybe, maybe there's we, some he- secret meaning in this graphic design we yeah, reference maybe we could start it yeah but, patterns things that we love symbolism a lot of like mirror image stuff someone goes oh you cut this can in half and then put it <laughs> in a mirror I'd be like well I have to see that I guess I'm going to do that. Fort Point Beer Company, local here in San Francisco. Yeah. Yep. And supposedly they're opening up a a physical, because I don't know if they have like a physical location. So hmm. that would be cool. That'd be very so cool. For the few times I drink beer, <laughs> <laughs> just sip on one. <laughs> so I feel like I'm the worst like like patron of bar orders and stuff, because I'll go in and just get one mm-hmm. or none. <laughs> <laughs> And yet you're like, it's pretty great. They're going to get a physical location going. I'm really excited for that. <laughs> I, am. I, I, I like them, the company, because it is tasty. It's great to be here. What I love about you guys is you make uh, one beer <laughs> that I like to have one of from time to time. Exactly. <laughs> All right, Yoichi, we will take a little break uh, and then pick ba- and get further in to what is is really a, a, a very a varied career thus far. Yeah. What a fascinating dude, yeah? Um, and you heard us mention we were in the uh, like the conference room there at the hotel, so I hope the sound wasn't too distracting. I thought it sounded pretty... If I hadn't mentioned it, I don't know that people would have picked up on it. I thought it was, it was pretty decent. So uh, come back next week for part two. We get further into a little bit more of uh, what he does and why he does it and uh, talk a little bit more about uh, the climate and the carbon and being a carbon cowboy that sort of thing. Uh, so really just delighted to get that sort of email. That, and he was kind of nervous. Like, I don't know. if I think sometimes when a podcast exists or just anything, we assume it's like a television show where, you know, you're, you're reaching out to a network like, hey, could I, could I have a guest starring role on, on your network show? And in reality with a podcast, like, I'll get it. I'll get your message. And uh, especially if you work for NASA, I'm very interested in chatting. So if you see that I'm coming to a city near you and think there might be a chance, there's probably a very good chance that I would like to sit down and chat with you. Um, so thanks for that. And again, if you do want to suggest a friend of yours, uh, someone you've heard of, whatever that might be as a guest or someone for beer or music or just an article that you think I might like. I mean, not too many of those. I got a long list of books and things I need to get to. But um, any of those other things. You can message pings at thespacecave.com by going to thespacecave.com. You can also write um, to the Twitter page, which is space underscore cave. There is even slowly uh, an Instagram page, which is space cave podcast on, on Instagram. Uh, it's very slowly getting put together, but you can see um, pictures of beer and the guests and, and sort of the atmosphere if, if you're interested in that. If you like the suspension of disbelief, and being in the cave altogether and not really seeing faces, then stick with it that way. But if you're interested in seeing what some of the guests look like, go to Space Cave Podcast on Instagram. Okay, um, really do appreciate those of you who support the show on Patreon. There's uh, almost, it seems like a high percentage of the recent guests have all had 
a little extra time and therefore there's some bonus episodes uh, more than one a month. I think that's kind of the general goal is to aim for about one extra episode per month and we've had three or four the last couple months in a row or something to that effect. It's it's more than normal. So if you're a Patreon member, hope you're enjoying that and thank you again for supporting the show. Even if you don't listen to the Patreon episodes, just uh, your contribution helps this show happen. It is made possible by contributions from listeners just like you. That way we can keep the show ad-free, which is a goal I would love to just have one thing out in the world where this is the only annoying ad you have to listen to about helping through Patreon. So thanks to those of you who do that. Um, if my mom is listening, get well soon. She had a, a bit of an accident and we're real worried she's doing better now. And to the, to the people, if for whatever reason you're listening, that were in Bend, I felt one night I was maybe a little snappy on stage. That was why. So anyway, um, I don't, I can't imagine they're listening. They seem like nerds. Um, okay, let's get out of here. Uh, thanks again to Yoichi. Thanks to Dan for putting this show together. Um, does it every week down in Australia. We've never met each other. So if the Patreon grows and enough people support it one day, we'll put together a trip or somehow or another, do some live shows down in Australia and finally meet and say hello to Dan. But until then, um, just have to thank him over the airwaves. So thanks, Dan. And, uh, here's some music from an old friend of ours. Dave Farina has a new project. As you know, he's from the Lonely Wild, which is how we met, um, a guy named Dylan introduced us and then, uh, we, he's been on the show a couple of times now we see each other outside of the show as well from time to time. Always good catching up with them. I went and saw this band um, maybe like a year ago or so. It's called Simulated Sun. I think they're great. I hope you like it as well. This song is called The Tannhauser Gate. Uh, hope you like it. Thanks for stopping by the space team.
you're just like us and now you're nothing at all